Hi, and welcome to episode 161 of No Crying in Baseball, the put your shoes on, there's glass everywhere episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey there. You'd think by now I would learn to read the title that you put at the top of our notes. Somehow, like I always skip that. And then you say it, I think, oh, wow, Patty is so clever, which I, which I would think in advance <laughs> if I were to read the title. Yeah, that's so true. But you know what? I'm too busy still partying. I, even though I'm not wearing my Lions gear, the Lions, the festivities keep going. You know, like a World Series celebration, there's the parade, there's the fan fest, there's all sorts of stuff. And it's been super fun watching that because it's actually happening, you know, as opposed to MLB, where we can't do things with lots of fans around. They actually had like a fan photo session, which was the cutest fucking thing. You know, I'm not sure you mentioned what league we're talking about and what country we're talking about. This is the CPBL. For anybody who hasn't been following my passion for the Lions, the Uni Lions have won the CPBL Taiwan Series. Go back to last week because we had a great interview with Danny Shi. You know, speaking of Danny Shi, one of the most important things that came out of that interview was that that not a date that he was talking about with that Super Lions fan. So Danny, right. folks, for folks who missed last week, is the voice between behind the English language CPBL Twitter, and he had maybe had not a date with this Lions fan who he also might maybe not having a date with tomorrow at the awards ceremony. <gasps> oh, yeah. is, is Sharon the plus one for the awards ceremony? Sharon might be the plus one for the awards ceremony. Unfortunately, Sharon has a lot of homework. They're in midterms, these college kids. So we'll see what Sharon's parents right. say. But I am rooting for you, Daniel. God, you're, this is mortifying. Yeah. I'm I'm sorry, Danny. I, I've got nothing. In, nothing I'm, I'm not in charge of this. I try. I try to reel it in, Danny. I really do. But but good luck. There's a lot of people behind him. You know, first step date, second step job. It, it'll it'll all come together for you, Daniel. Um, but th- these awards are big. These awards being announced tomorrow, which is yesterday for you all, because you're going to hear us on Tuesday. We're recording on Sunday. Timey wimey. I, I'll be posting it because I'm super excited. They're they're announcing their MVP Rookie of the Year and Most Improved Player, which I think is a really lovely award. I would like to see MLB do that Most Improved they do. Player. They do. But it, uh, they have Most Improved Player. We're yeah. not talking uh, about they, it today. They call it comeback. Yeah, oh. they have theirs comeback awards that, that are sprinkled. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, the, we'll, we'll find out about the CPBL ones um, tomorrow or yesterday if it's you. But along with me picking the Lions just by shit luck at the beginning of the season and them winning the Taiwan series, I also picked as my baseball boyfriend, Lin Anka, who is the only one who has been nominated in two categories. He has been nominated for both Rookie of the Year and MVP. I'm thinking his MVP chances probably aren't there. But, you know, as a rookie, to be nominated for both is really impressive. But I'm really holding out and hoping that by now you have heard that he has won Rookie of the Year in the CPBL. We'll see. Well, he's definitely won the NCIB International Boyfriend Award. Absolutely. And that's seriously valuable. On today's show, 2020 has been a notoriously crappy year, but weirdly, it's been a bright spot for women in baseball, starring Kim Ang, the new GM of the Marlins. Followed by, when will the White Sox fire Tony La Russa? Yeah, I know they just hired him, but he's got to go. Jeff Lunau is suing the Astros. This is a good one. We've got all the major awards for MLB. If pitchers could only be boyfriends, but we have stupid rules and lots of stuff in international baseball. 
So crash bang for uh, glass ceiling. Kim Ang, who we talked about years ago, and oh my God, we've been doing this podcast long enough that we can say years ago, mm-hmm. we said, oh, Kim Ang is in line for this GM position and in line for that GM position. And she's the highest ranking, most qualified person for all of these jobs. It finally happened. It finally happened. The Marlins hired Kim Ang as their general manager. Uh, we're going to give you some background on Kim so you know why she's so freaking amazing and why this was so long overdue. She was a player. She played college softball for University of Chicago. She was shortstop and third base. And you know I like the left side, so yay, Kim. She uh, graduated with a a public policy degree in 1990 and went straight into interning with the White Sox from there, right, with public policy degree. Huh? Huh? Yeah, you know, I'm feeling good about this 1990 graduation year because that's when I graduated from college, so, I believe and, you have and, similar numbers in other and, ways, too. And we have the same age. We're both 52. Woo! And and the we there was Potty Mouth and Kim Ang, not me. I'm, I am, I'm the elder. I am the elder here. Um, for a really good piece, uh, putting this higher in perspective of women in baseball in general, if you can get to The Athletic, please read uh, Lindsay Adler's piece there. We'll link to it. It's really it, it really does uh, kind of give you the overall view of what it looks like for a woman in any level of baseball. So Kim Ang is the first woman GM in the four major men's leagues in the United States. And interestingly, all the women written articles that mention this put in the word men's, four major men's leagues. Whenever it was left out, I checked and it was always a male author that left out the word men's because as you know there are other there are other professional sports leagues in this country but she is the first woman gm in in any of the four major men's leagues she is the first asian american general manager in major league baseball she has been interviewing for gm positions since 2005 when she was with the white Sox, shortly after her internship she was hired on for a regular a regular gig with the white Sox. in 1995 she became the first woman to present and the youngest person ever to win an arbitration case and the other side of the table scott boris wow yes what i was waiting for <laughs> that's the wow that's, that's the wow fantastic. so that's fantastic right you okay, know any so. details about that case like who it was referring to um, I have it and didn't include it because, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. That's something that I can look up after the show. You sure can. In 1998, she became the youngest assistant GM when the Yankees hired her. And she was there for three World Series. So she's got some some rings, man. She's got some rings, which also gives her a long history with Derek Jeter, who, again, is starting to grow on me now, now that he's not a player. She negotiated his contract. With the Yankees. Oh, wow. Right? And now he's he is the the CEO of the Marlins who hired her for this gig. So they have decades of history. In the intervening years, oh, she was at the Dodgers then after the Yankees. And since then, since 2011, she's been the senior VP for baseball operations for all of Major League Baseball. And it, through my reading, I learned that working for the league itself is often a stepping stone to getting into the front office for a team. Because you learn the, the workings in a more general way. And then you learn about each of the teams. And then you get picked off and you, know, you get hired by teams. Mm. So that was kind of one of her goals all along, right? And she said in, in one of her, uh, her quotes upon getting this position was, I am dogged in the pursuit of my goals. 
So God love her for that. And I think, I think I'm a Marlins fan. Okay. Here's, so I was kidding about that because like how they had that underdog thing that happened in the shortened season when they were wiped out by COVID and then came back and made the playoffs. And they had that whole bottom feeder joke going on, which I really enjoyed. They're really actually weirdly diverse at the top for a major league baseball team. I mean, so the the four top people include, so Derek Jeter, biracial, Mm -hmm. you've got an Asian American woman, you have a white woman and a white guy as, as the four top officers of this Mm -hmm. team, which is actually kind of stunning for major league baseball. So that's kind of cool. I liked that the team changed their Twitter avatar to her picture immediately and it's still that so it's not like hey flashy hire moving on it's like okay she's representing us right now the thing that i'm ticked about is they haven't um, released any merch because i was ready to buy a marlin's jersey with ang on the back of it and there is nothing yet oh they totally need to do that right that will sell for sure and one of the things that that jeter said in the announcement about the hire was through her work at mlb she's done a lot of work with with the grow of the game stuff Mm -hmm. and The Marlins have a real push for that on a local level. They're trying to really develop baseball in the neighborhoods, right? Around Miami and, and, and bring it and just bring it out to, to the neighborhoods, to the people who live there. And they like her in that position because she will help them grow the game locally. So how about that? That is so awesome. I saw a cute picture, a then and now picture of her and Jeter from like back in the day and now. And oh my God, like it's been a minute. It's definitely been a while. And that other thing about her, her growing the game is that she's been involved with girls baseball too. So some of the MLB outreach stuff, which is exciting. Like I think that, you know, you you talking, my fucking cat is jumping all over me. Sorry, folks. (laughs) Um, when you were talking about how like we've we've noticed this over our time, I think that it was within that time that she was appointed to that role um, in MLB. And at the time, I thought that it was like a like stepping over, you know, that that, OK, that GM thing wasn't going to work out. So she was going to sort of go over that and stay in the front office. So I'm super interested to hear you say that it's kind of like it opened that door the other way around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what does. a hard way to go. There was this one tweet um, from Lindsay Armstrong that I noticed that said that GM jobs opened 48 times among 27 teams since August 2011 when she was listed by MLB Trade Rumors at number 10 on the list of top GM candidates. So she was in the top 10 candidates in 2011 before 48 positions opened. That makes no fucking sense. I mean, talk about overqualified. So the the other thing, of course, that's pissing everybody off are all the tweets like, well, I hope it's not just because she's a woman. And and no, no, no. (laughs) Like not even fucking close. Not even fucking close. You know, it's just, you you have to do it backwards and heels, right? Yep. In order to, to get in there. So that's, Super frustrating. And, you know, interesting about the 2011 year, that's when Taiwan that we were just talking about hired their first female general manager. And she was just in for two years with the brothers. But once again, once again, the U.S. gets beat out, though. I think it's changing. Right. Don't you feel like we're riding a wave at this point? This is that there has there's like a there's an opening that's getting a little bit wider. There's a lever in here that's like prying this open 
a little bit at a time over the past year for Major League Baseball, for sure. I'm hoping this is going to um, bring in like the the, the water, maybe it's the watershed moment, but definitely we've had little bits along the way this year. Yeah. Yeah. So to, so to go back on that, and I guess everybody's sort of like dissing on 2020 has been such a shitty year. This is our tiny little light, tiny little light of happy notes in 2020. Um, besides Kim, we also have Alyssa Nakin, who is the first on-field coach with the San Francisco Giants. We got to see a woman, a woman on the field during a game in uniform. That's fucking huge. We also have the first woman play-by-play announcer with the Orioles, Melanie Newman. And then last November, so just a year ago, was when both of the Rachels were appointed as hitting coaches, Rachel Balkovich for the Yankees and Rachel Folden for the Cubs, and both of them working in the, in the minors of the organization. But this is starting to be sort of rolling along. If we can see women at many different positions, then little girls see those positions being open to them, and then we have just a better situation for everybody. Yeah, the more that the people in in power, not even people in power, the people on the field, the people in view look like the people watching those people. Right. It's gonna make it's gonna make all the difference in who believes this is possible for me too. And it makes a better game for everybody because then you're getting really the most qualified people. You're opening doors for people who have potential. How about players? Yeah, and and players. So also. Uh, one little thing I've been trying to do is to keep people who were interested in us because they were following the CPBL thing, our friends in the chat, to keep listening. And Panda, one of our friends in CPBL chat, said, maybe I'll see you next season. But I said, well, we do cool things with baseball boyfriends in the offseason. And he said, how about a baseball girlfriend? Well, I have one for you, Panna. Okay, so pay attention. We're going we're gonna to keep promoting women in baseball so that there will be more baseball girlfriends. Anna Kimbrell who was the catcher on the U.S. women's national team. She was in the Women's Baseball World Cup four times, including getting also getting a gold medal in the Pan Am Games with the women's national team. She just signed with one of the teams in one of the independent leagues, the Southern Shores Professional Baseball League. She'll be playing with the Rocky Mountain Grays. So more women in baseball, more women in independent leagues. It's, it's coming. It's coming. You love to see it. You love to see it. Things that you hate to see are super bad decisions for leadership positions. And okay, Tony LaRussa, again, I, I know you're tired of hearing me say Tony LaRussa in my rant voice, but he just keeps doing crap. Please or only use that voice for him. Just use use the rant voice. That will be the Tony LaRussa. I don't even want to name it after him. No, use your rant voice for him. So this isn't even something new that he did. This is something old that he did that we're just finding out about. Last February near Phoenix, Tony LaRusso was issued a DUI, right? He um, ran his car off the road and um, he was weird with the officer, with the arresting officer. He was saying things like, I'm a Hall of Famer baseball person. I'm legit. You see this ring? Like, okay. All right. All right, Tony. All right, Tony. Are you also drunk? Yes. Yes, you are. Were you driving? Yes. Yes, you were. Why are we just finding out about this now? Well, Apparently, the initial DUI was filed in the wrong jurisdiction, so it all got sorted out in late October, the day before the White Sox announced the hire. The White Sox knew about this and hired him. They didn't say, hey, you know what? We're going to just chill until we see what happens with this. 
No, they didn't. They went ahead with the freaking hire. And it's not only his first DUI. It's his second DUI. He pled guilty in 2007 in Florida. So what the hell? Why is this okay? Why is this okay? It is not. Have you called Tim Anderson yet? I don't think you have. That is disgusting. And it's an insult to everybody who has dealt with tragedy because of drunk drivers. And there are plenty of people out there. Sure as hell. Awful. No excuse. Sure as hell. And you know that Tony La Russa is one of those guys who's, who uses the phrase, play the game the right way. You know, he right. talks about playing the game the right way. Well, how about you, buddy? How about you play life the right way? I don't see any evidence of it yet. Whew. Okay, Jeff Lunau, he's not going to make me rant. He's going to make me roll my eyes because Jeff Lunau, um, who was suspended by Major League Baseball and then, you know, because of the Astros cheating scandal, is now suing the Astros for $22 million. These are the, this this matches up with the salary he didn't get because he was suspended. And the reason he is suing for this is he's, say, he's saying it's a breach of contract because Rob Manfred, commissioner of baseball, and Crane, the owner of the Astros, cut a deal, according to Lunau, to so that the Astros could keep their World Series championship from 2017 and pin it on Lunau. So he would be the fall guy. That's entirely believable, though. Like, that's entirely believable. That is entirely believable. But he's still saying, oh, but I didn't know, but I didn't know. And all evidence to the contrary. (laughs) Right. It's like, okay, I'm sorry. So here's the interesting thing. The reason he is trying to go to court with this is normally when there is a run-of-the-mill contract dispute in Major League Baseball, it goes to arbitration with an arbitrator selected by the commissioner of baseball. The commissioner of baseball is one of the problems <laughs> in this conversation. So he's trying to go to court with this. Um, so at the, the at best, that would happen, that, that he would get his day in court. Ideally, at worst, there would be some independent arbitrator involved if they wanted to go back to something similar to what they normally would do. But yeah, can you just imagine this is like... This, this is like the federal government right now. So, like, that's crazy. But he's back at his job, right? No, no. Oh, so that's that's one gone. of the things. No, yeah, he's out. He's okay. out. Yeah, yeah, he got fired. So yeah, he got suspended and then they ousted him. So he has not been hired by anybody else. So you've got, uh, you know, that's the other thing. You know, you got your AJ Hinch that got hired. You okay. got Alex Cora who got rehired. All these guys are working again. And he's feeling like the fall guy, which, you know, okay. Right. Yeah. So he wants his money, please. Sign me up. So, yeah, it's it's sort of like people who are guilty and understand that they're guilty just want more people in with them. Like, I'm not the only one. He's saying he's not guilty, though. Uh, he's saying, no, no, it. I didn't know. I know you think I should know, but I didn't read to the bottom of those emails. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. I want happy news. All right. Back to good news. We got some awards that we do know about. For things like Manager of the Year, Rookie of the Year, Cy Young Award for Pitching, and MVP. And so we've got some stuff to say about them. I want to start with the, out with the two managers of the year, who I, I found this very intriguing, that it was won by Don Mattingly of your Marlins. So there <laughs> now you go. Now they're my Marlins. <laughs> your Marlins. <laughs> hilarious. So you get to start off with the Manager of the Year and Kevin Cash of the Rays. And both Florida teams. And so who says nothing good comes out of Florida? A lot of us on one of the occasions. 
But in this case, we've got two good things coming out of Florida. Mattingly, it's 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 fascinating because he turned around the Marlins, right? Their first winning season since 2009. That's a lot of time over under 500 there. Plus, there is the whole drama at the at the beginning of this year with the the tons of Marlins being sick with COVID. So just being able to overcome that and get the team over 500, that seems very very worthwhile for him to be earned to get that award. Um, and then on the American League side, Kevin Cash. I'm guessing there was a little bit of controversy there. You know, it's 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 judged on the season, though, right? Not on the playoffs. Correct. Because they did, as we know, lose the World Series. And a lot of that is being, you know, linked to some of the decisions maybe that Cash had made. But he did have the best record in the American League, 40-20. And also the, the other two who were vying for American League, one was Rick Renteria of the White Sox, who was fired. And I just find that fascinating. You know, especially you're talking about all this shit with LaRusso. Like, why the fuck did they fire a very successful manager? I don't know. And then Charlie Montoyo, interestingly, for the Jays, I'm hoping that he has another good season. Well, sort of, especially, I don't know how I'm rooting on the American League anymore. That's a whole nother story. But with the Blue Jays, that they also turned winning after a long time of losing. They'd been under 500 for the past four years. And he did it not at home in a triple a park so because we know that the blue jays were not allowed to play in canada this year because of covid so he was able to have a winning team with all that upheaval so that's good but kevin cash is the one who got the final nod all right all right so rookie of the year i'm treating as some shopping for next year's boyfriends oh yeah oh big time Sure. So for the American League, Kyle Lewis of the Mariners, he's an outfielder there, was the unanimous, unanimous Rookie of the Year winner for the American League. He is the first Mariner to win since Ichiro. And he has, you you will have seen highlights of some of his spectacular catches in the outfield. Defense is sexy. Kyle Lewis is way high on my list for a possible Mariners boyfriend. In the National League for Rookie of the Year, this is interesting. Devin Williams, who's a relief pitcher for the Brewers, won Rookie of the Year. He had one earned run in 27 innings pitched. And he edged out two guys who I am um, auditioning for next year's boyfriend list. Bohm of the Phillies and Cronenworth of the Padres. We can arm wrestle over those. But oh, right. these, these were a couple of guys that I really enjoyed watching play. And Devin Williams beat them out because he was he was shut down. He was shut down. So I was just trying to quickly search, but I didn't do it. I, is this the first, you know, two African-American rookies of the year? I didn't see that mentioned, so I don't. I I would be surprised if it were. I don't know that that's the okay. case, but, but I would be surprised if it were. Well, it's a good sign anyway. Yeah, I mean, sure. it's you know we've got that's that's definitely an issue that MLB has to deal with a lot better is diversity, and maybe this is a a, a good start. They definitely deserve it. So a couple more shutdown pitchers. The Cy Young was announced this week, and on the American League side, it was a no-brainer. It was a little bit more um, competitive on the National League side. I am very excited about this as an Ohio girl because both of these players played for the Cleveland baseball team together. Not this year because that would be impossible. (laughs) (laughs) They both won representing the two teams in the state of Ohio, and 
just for fun of it, they're both native Californians. That's not about me. That's about them. But I think it's cool. They have all, all these things in common. So American League, the unanimous winner was Shane Bieber, surprising absolutely no one. No one else was even really in the conversation. He um, won the Triple Crown for pitchers in the American League. He led the majors in wins, ERA, and strikeouts. Can I, can I just say that the, the one moment that I was a little sad was when he shit the bed against the Yankees. Like, we were counting on that win. Bieber was in there, and it was just not his day. I guess everybody just has a bad day. If you're going to have a bad day, though, playoffs against the, against the Yankees, not the best day to pick. But congrats to Shane. Yeah, and it's sad that that was like the last thing we have. It is. So, yeah, because that, that season was was amazing. The other person who had an amazing season was someone who's not your favorite, nah. but you, you can't deny he is a freaking amazing pitcher. So Trevor Bauer got 27 of the 30 first place votes for the National League Cy One winner. He led the National League in ERA and whip. Want to do a vocabulary quick uh, lesson? We're going to do a lesson. Oh, totally. Yeah. So you see, uh, you know, ERA, earned run average, and, you know, Ks are, are you know, strikeouts. So you know a lot of, like, the shorthand for pitching stats. Whip, W-H-I-P, is walks plus hits per innings pitched. So again, you want a super low number for whip. That's one of the ways we evaluate pitchers. So um, so Trevor Bauer was first in ERA and whip. He was only four strikeouts short of Jacob deGrom. So he had 100 and deGrom had 104 and they were the top two. He had he was the only one, I think, with multiple shutouts. They were, of course, the shortened double, um, the doubleheader seven inning games. But still, a lot of people played him and he's the only one who had who had uh, two of those or more that were shutouts. So he earned it. He earned it. I said it all along. I I should do research before recording. That would be a a good thing. But there's one thing that's been tossed around, and that's him using uh, substances, on not not in his body, but on his hand this year. And there was something about him tweeting, like, getting away with it. So I need to go back and look at that. But there's there's a lot of folks who feel like he did something slimy. So his what he has always said was Major League Baseball, either enforce it or get rid right. of the rule. Exactly. So, so he was pushing the limits. He's also not the only one doing. The point is everybody right. is doing that crap. Right. Everyone's doing that crap. And he's actually pushing for just pick a side, MLB, just pick a side. So um, there's a lot of reasons not to like him, but I don't think that's one of them I because he's actually very vocal about that. Yeah, no, he, he definitely is. And I guess the criticism, though, is that him being vocal about accusing others and not admitting to his own. Mm. But I guess what are you going to do? I, he's just become so much my person I don't want to deal with. <laughs> Anymore. Well, that's why you've got me. He's also yeah. it's also the first uh, Cy Young for the Reds. So that's pretty that's, cool, too. That is very nice. That is very nice. I do feel super bad for you, you Darvish, though, who came in second. And, you know, he's got the flow going. And it turns out that he didn't even realize that he had a contract bonus writing on this. And he tweeted, wow, just found out about this. I guess I'll donate some. So I don't know how much he's donating, but that was 
sort of a nice gesture when you're coming up with a happy surprise. That is a very nice gesture. I'm wondering why he doesn't know what's in his contract, though. I got to say. That is a little bit problematic. I guess he's been too starry-eyed. I think he got married recently. At least he's got a wedding pick on his his bio. Uh, The fun stuff, though, the most valuable player. And I don't know if y'all saw the video of when Jose Abreu found out, but it's one of those surrounded by family. He starts crying. Everybody's super emotional. It's absolutely beautiful. So Jose Abreu, American League, third Cuban to to win the award and the first since 1988. So for the Cuban community, the Cuban-American community, this is a big fucking deal. What I didn't realize is that he, before he defected from Cuba, he played for the Elefantes de Cienfuegos, which is my Cuban team. So yay, a little bit of, of encouragement for my Cuban team that I haven't been following as much as I should. And apparently he played on that team they overlapped a, a year uh, with Juan Moncada, now on the White Sox. And Yasiel Puig was on that team also, but they didn't overlap. So he, the, just the family part is what really got to me. And especially, you know, I'm a sucker for any time somebody mentions a mom, because, you know, behind most of these great players is a great mom. And he said, now my mom can really say that she has an MVP as a son. And she can keep saying that I'm her MVP. So I'm guessing, mom, like I would say that to my kid. You're my MVP no matter what. Now she can really say it. And I wish I could have heard the the, um, interviewer question at him. I kept trying to listen. But he almost started crying and then pointed back to a picture of his grandmother right behind him and said, mi abuela. And it was like, Obviously, somebody who had been really important, I'm guessing she's no longer around because he pointed to the picture. But just the intensity of that reaction scene was was heartwarming. Over on the National League, we've got another first baseman. Both winners in the uh, MVP were first baseman, and that hardly ever happens. Hasn't happened Mm -hmm. since 2006. The winner for National League is my former boyfriend from Atlanta, Freddie Freeman. I'm so happy about this. I was hoping he was going to win and he earned it. He got 28 out of 30 first place votes. Wow. The the last time there was an MVP from Atlanta, it was Chipper Jones, who I have a fraught relationship (laughs) with. I was about to say your favorite guy. Yeah, again, growing on me a tiny bit better now that he no longer plays. But Freddie wears an old Chipper shirt under his uniform for every game. So that's kind of sweet wow. that they they overlapped just barely at the very end of Chipper's career kind of coincided with the very beginning of Freddie Freeman's. So they are actually close friends, which is very sweet. But the the meaningful part of this was as you remember, Freddie Freeman was deathly and I mean that literally deathly sick with COVID. Oh yeah. As we approached the beginning of the season, like he had you know 104 temperature, he thought he was done for. He thought he was done for and then he came back and he said it took him a long time to come back, but once he did, he came roaring back and his numbers are MVP numbers. So the, the, the rags to riches story here, the, the sick to champion story here is interesting, but his numbers alone warrant the MVP. So that wow. I think is really pretty cool. So I'm very happy for Freddie Freeman. That's MB, M, MV free. I wish I could pronounce things. MV free is what they're saying. Yeah. Oh, I like sweet? it. He is yeah. the most valuable Freeman that I know. Sure enough. <laughs> yes. 
Hey, two quick things. One is a head scratcher and one is super happy. The head scratcher is, as we're talking about next season, the commissioner of baseball, Rob, uh, Rob Manfred, is saying, oh, yeah, well, we're going to figure out how to have fans in the stands because that's the only way we can make this work. So it's going to happen. Uh, he's not looking at the same numbers we're looking at, apparently. Yikes. Trey Mancini's numbers, however, are fantastic. Trey Mancini of the Baltimore Orioles, you may remember, had to sit out this past year because he was being treated for stage three colorectal cancer. Wow. And as of his last scans is currently cancer free. Fantastic. So he is back at it, trying to get back in shape and he's hoping against hope he's going to be ready for spring training. So Hooray, Trey Mancini. Welcome back. You did great. Yep. The Orioles need you. So it's good that he came up for the Orioles. We've been uh, mentioning that phrase baseball boyfriend for a while. So I just wanted to take a sec to define it for anybody who might be joining us for the first time. What Patty and I are going to start doing really soon in a couple of weeks, what we do in the off season is we each pick one guy per team and we tell y'all a little bit about that person and why we think that they're special. And it's got to be something off the field as well as on the field. And we've been doing this for a while. So we have a lot of baseball boyfriends. And I wanted to tell you, Patty, about one of your guys who I read about in a Spanish article from Venezuela. And that's Eugenio Suarez who is this year's leader, Martin Polar. And Martin Polar is the um, the sponsor, the biggest sponsor of the Venezuelan League. And apparently every year they pick a player, like a model player, to be somebody to look up to for the youth in Venezuela playing baseball and to do things like support clinics and go around and support youth baseball, basically. And so... Eugenio Suarez has been chosen for this year. He's very honored, and especially because some of his past idols are the past awardees, including Miguel Cabrera, Omar Vizquel, who we're now sort of, you know, mixed feelings about, sadly. Go back a couple episodes to hear about that. Andres Galarraga. And I, I just think that's a very baseball boyfriendy kind of thing. And that's especially for like Patty's guys. They're usually the do-gooders and do something special. So for Suarez to be going back in Venezuela and helping the youth is really positive. And let's just say the reason that Patty Mapp is telling you the story is because she finds it in Spanish language baseball news, which I am completely unequipped to read. And a lot of these things don't actually get covered in English language news. So thanks for your service, Potty Mouth. Yeah, I don't. I just fall upon stuff once in a while. I think it's while I'm looking at the winter leagues because a lot of that is like highlighting who's our special guy this year. Speaking of special guys, one of the things with um, Baseball Boyfriends is that when we do pitching, we pick the whole squad because we just, it's, it would take a lot of time to go through pitchers. So we pick a squad for our Baseball Boyfriend pitching and it's pretty much just so we can run a fantasy team, which we do in years where there's not covid but I wish that we could pick individual players, pitchers right now, because there was a great interaction in Twitter this past week where uh, just, I think, a Dodgers fan who's at 22 Kirsch, K-E-R-S-H. I just want to give this person a shout out. Actually, I'm not sure about the gender of that person. And that's kind of the point that this person s suggested to a bunch of players, including a bunch of Dodgers, that they put their pronouns on their profile. Because what happens in the trans community is that a lot of people put their pronouns out there to identify themselves. And it would be a lot nicer if everybody did it because it normalizes the practice. 
and takes the attention away from, oh, then that person must be trans because they have their pronouns out there. And the reality is that we're all people with pronouns and we can all put what we want to be referred to on our bios. And I've got to figure out how to do that for us. I guess I can do that like for each of us within on our Twitter bio. Sure. Just so you know, I just checked and 22 Kirsch, of course, has her pronouns and they are Ah, she, her. So there you you have it. I appreciate that. So there are two baseball players who deserve, uh, you know, kudos, and that's Sean Doolittle. No huge surprise because he's a big advocate for Smile, which is a group in D.C. to support LGBTQ youth. But also Cole Tucker, pitcher for the Pirates, whose reaction was sort of like very normal. Like, yeah, that's not a big deal. Sure, I'll do it. Yeah, easy enough. Makes sense. Got it. Done. And it wasn't an issue. It was like, oh, yeah, just hadn't thought about it. Okay, perfect. I'll do it. So we would like to see more of that. And we would like to encourage all of you to put your pronouns on your bio because it's a respectful thing to do. Oh, we're going to go international now. I don't know how much sleep I'm going to be getting this week because we have more baseball on the other side of the world from us. And that's the Korea series, which starts the morning that you will all be hearing this. So Tuesday morning at 4.30 in the morning, Eastern Standard Time. And the team that I picked back in March is in the Korea series, which is the NC Dinos. They're going up against the Doosan Bears. The Bears are in there for the sixth year in a row. The Dinos were not doing so well the past couple of years, which is why at the beginning of the season, I was kind of questioning my pick based so- purely on the mascot, which, which, is, which is absolutely adorable. But it kind of worked out for me. Um, the Bears, though... For, for a bear, which seems like sort of, you know, like your everyday kind of animal for a mascot, they do have a really cute mascot. He has sunglasses. So I it might be worth watching just for the mascot interaction, but it's going to be starting this Tuesday. So Tuesday and Wednesday at the Dinos at 4.30 in the morning. Friday and Saturday at the Bears. It has to be bears. a super cute bear for that because no way in heck. I'm just saying. It's, no the, way the, the dino is more than worth it. The dino is super cute too. But next Saturday, so here's hope. It'll be starting at midnight Eastern Standard Time. <laughs> Have you met me? That's the one game that's not starting at 4.30 in the morning. So my regular sleep hours are pretty much midnight to 5 a.m. from when I finally fall asleep to when the cat throws her body against the door until I wake <laughs> up. So yeah, I'm kind of like losing it at both ends. Well, maybe that, you can the get The baseball it. window is hard. Yeah, but if it starts at 4.30, you can get the end innings. That's that's probably what I'm going to end up doing because I'm a 5.30 riser also. 4.30 is definitely pushing it. I, I don't know. I guess we'll see how the dinos do. And then the, the last three games are the following Monday through Wednesday at dinos as necessary, of course, because it's four out of seven. So we'll we'll see what happens. It's kind of exciting. Hey, it's, it's opening day. Isn't it opening day? Today is opening day. So right now, as we are talking, it is Sunday, November 15th. I should know that because it's Mr. Potty Mouth's birthday tomorrow. So a happy birthday shout out to Mr. Potty Mouth. Um, today is opening day for Lidom, which is the Dominican League. Liga Invernal de la República Dominicana, which is so Lidom is the Liga Invernal L.I. Dominican Republic. Um, starting today. And there is somebody who is a much better reference than I am if you want to choose your lead on team still. Find Cespedes Family Barbecue on Twitter. 
because they've put out a 32-page guide. I don't have time to do a 32-page guide. They have the ins and outs on your teams, on your players, how to sign up for streaming, which is DR Sports, pretty straightforward, except for I can't get mine working. But more on that later. <laughs> but you can get that. that he, he is charging five bucks. But the cool thing is that five bucks goes to Dominican youth sports and women's shelters. I think that is the best spent five bucks. Then you, so get that it you anyway. Can Even if you don't need it, get it anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if, if you want a very biased recommendation for the team to pick, that would be me telling you to pick the Leones del Escogido for a couple of reasons. So I first picked them when, when my boyfriend, Willie Castro from the, the Tigers last year, I found out that he was playing on them, but it seems like, like Leones del Escogido sort of keep reinforcing that I made this good pick almost, almost. So I found out Rafael Devers was on them. That's awesome. I found out Sammy Sosa and David Ortiz. Yay. And A-Rod. Like, that's totally like uh, a, a gotcha for me. <laughs> a gotcha. So, all right. A-Rod was on it. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was also on it. And there's actually an amazing gif of him with a great hip swivel when he got a triple. Like, that's the fun thing about watching Lead On, really, folks, is that it is a party. It is a dance on the baseball field. So much fun to watch. But he has made noise, according to our friends at Con Las Bases Llenas, of wanting to play this year. And I think he just needs permission from the Blue Jays. So I am going to hope that we very soon see Vladimir Guerrero Jr. on that team, along with, as I have said before, Wander Franco, who is the number one futures for MLB right now. So Leones is, is a team to watch for. Also, if you do watch, keep an eye on the stands because we did buy that cardboard cutout of the lion from the CPBL lions. So I've got this lion theme going. So I want to have like a where's lion sort of contest. So if anybody <laughs> can get a screenshot of the CPBL lion in the stands, I've got to think of some sort of prize. Get the screenshot and we'll figure out a prize for you. If you're a monkeys fan from CPBL, you might want to go with the Tigres de Licey because their star ace pitcher, Lisa Reto Bonilla, is pitching for them. And as a bonus, you get one of my favorite former Red Sox who went to Cleveland, actually, San de Leon catcher. So that's it for lead on. Believe it or not, the Venezuelan League is playing. The The news has been a little bit sketchy, but because I, I think at one point I reported that they definitely weren't, and now it looks right. like they definitely are. It's starting on November 30th. There's still not actual news on their website, but I did read an article about that. And if you're looking for some familiar faces, the funnest player I think to watch in the Venezuelan League, I loved him last year, was Williams Astudillo. Tortuga, he's he's just fantastic with the twins. Jairo Diaz of the Rockies, they're both on the Caribes de Anzuategui, plus Jesus Sucre, who is a catcher who is last with the Orioles, who apparently ruptured his Achilles tendon and hasn't played since 2019. I believe he's a free agent, but he's also on the Caribes. Don't forget, though, that my pick is the Cardenales de Lara. There is a Leones, and I should have this lion theme going, but I picked the Cardinales because I have a friend from from the Barquisimeto is the, the, the town that they're from. So Lara is like the province. So I, I got to stick with the Cardinales. I, I just flashed back on a happier time when we could all be together indoors watching the Cardinales Aww, play in your yeah. basement with a group of people. And it was just so much fun. And I miss that. 
Yeah, because so, they actually so won much. the whole thing last year. And it was they fun because we did. watched it down to the end. So damn it. Damn it. So yeah, that's damn what it. I'm doing this week. I'm watching KBO. I'm watching Liam. Hopefully very soon. You guys will know actually before I do if the Leones pulled it off for opening day today. Yikes. Yeah, I, I don't think I can get up early enough to to watch those games. So I'm just going to wait for you to fill me in on that. And meanwhile, I'm just going to start watching Christmas movies because it's way too soon. But it's been a Mm, I almost dropped an F-bomb. I don't do that. That's <laughs> your job. Kind of a year, this 2020. Yeah. So I'm already like up to my eyeballs in Christmas movies to try to feel a little bit better. Although Kim Ang is making me feel a whole lot better. Come on, Marlins. I want gear. That is that is definitely happy news. You know, I don't know if I can make it through the KBO series. The day after CPBL ended, the the Tuesday after, I was like, let me try this KBO thing again. Oh, no. Let me and guess. I turned on ESPN, and for the first minute, they were actually talking about the game, and then they weren't. And it got so bad. The first thing that pissed me off was when they talked about how in May, when they started covering the KBO, they were the only ones doing baseball in the whole world. What and the hell? I was like, fuck you all. Taiwan does it better. And, Ty- and actually, Richard Wang came to my event sort of pointing out that Taiwan didn't have to shut it down when COVID raids went up and they didn't have to kick their fans out of their stands. They had interrupted play the whole time. So yeah, I was a little bit pissed about that. And then I was pissed about one of the announcers who was saying, glad that he wasn't covering the next game because he could sleep in. And this is getting really rough on his schedule to have oh, to get up so early baby. and call if only games they that he doesn't find. give a shit about. If only they could find, like, you know, English speaking fans who live in the country who can be on the spot broadcasting what a thought if only someone would think of that right there were a lot of them taiwan i mean how many english language broadcasters they had i mean at least six seven a lot plenty you can do that in korea all right sorry there's my rant hey you know what we rant all week long if you find us on social media so come do that talk to us on twitter ncib podcast facebook and instagram no crying in b-ball Awesome. So everybody, please have a good week. Please uh, wash your hands and watch your distance and wear your masks and fight the man. And until next time, say goodnight, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. we are so damn cute. I'm just saying. Yeah.